I've told most of you how I began to read the Bible when I was 17, 1956. I didn't know where I was going, what I was doing. I was struggling with how to study. My father was a simple country Baptist preacher. He didn't say much about the truth of the Bible. He would quote the same seven or eight verses every time he stood up and uh, just not really say much of anything. I started praying, Lord, help me to find the truth. And uh, uh, my mother and father gave me a Bible one time for a Christmas present. Don't even believe in Christmas now. And uh, I started trying to read it. I didn't know where to start, what to do. I have people call me wanting to know where do I start. You start at the front. Read through it. But you got to learn to read the Bible slow so you can tell what you're reading. I've had a guy come here one time. He said, well, I read Leviticus last week. I'll read Deuteronomy this week. I can't do that. How do you do that? Well, I noticed things kept repeating themselves. And I've been talking to you about something that I noticed was repetitive. It was constantly repeating all through the Old Testament. And that began to pull things together of a lot of things that I was noticing. I noticed that if you read something in Genesis, and if it was repeated later down the road in Revelation, somehow they were related to one another. Well, I noticed when I was reading, and I was trying to read, I'd read and I'd quit and I'd read, and I'd quit, and I'd read, and I'd quit, and I'd force myself to start up. Where you really begin to find out what's in the Bible, you notice what you're reading. Read slow. Don't read fast. Notice all the words. And I kept noticing the sword, the famine, and the pestilence. And then I'd notice sometimes the famine and the pestilence we mentioned without the sword. Sometimes it would go go ahead and say sword, famine, pestilence, and beast. But I also begin to notice later on that the sword and the famine and pestilence usually would go together. Because... And sometimes God would speak of the siege. A siege is where a country would attack Israel. And a siege was where they would block all the roads coming into a town. And they had aqueducts, that those waterways that where they could get their water for bathing and for cooking and so forth. And they would block all the roads, cut off the waterways. And what would happen, what would happen, that would be the sword. The sword. Because that would be a foreign country. And particularly in Israel's case, Ben-Hadad. Ben-Hadad was a, was a title for the kings of Syria. 
and Syria is just northeast, just northeast of Israel. Let's see if I can find a, a map here. Northeast of Israel. I need to get me a... This is Syria right here. This is Israel here. And this is Lebanon, what we call Lebanon. And all of this is Syria up in here. So, being right there close to Israel, they're always attacking them. And Ben means son of. Son of. It has the same meaning as bar in the New Testament, meaning son of. Bar Jonah. It does not mean Jonah's father's, Peter's father's name was Jonah. Blessed art thou, Simon Bar Jonah. When Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Uh, he was only the son of Jonah in the respect that in Acts 2, he preached resurrection, which was the gospel. Jonah was raised from the belly of the fish after three days and nights in the belly of the fish. So they both had to do with the resurrection. He was the son of Jonah spiritually. Now, Ben-Hadad, when he would attack Israel, he would cut off false supply lines. That would be the sword. And that would produce, that would produce famine and pestilence in the city because they didn't have any food. After six to eight weeks, they're all starting to starve to death and die. And their children were dying. And what they were doing, what Israel was doing, you can find this in the sixth chapter of Second Kings. You can find it in Jeremiah, the uh, 19th chapter. You can find it all over the Old Testament. Find it in 28th chapter of Deuteronomy. They would start boiling their children. You'll find that in Lamentations. The Bible says that uh, that their children were their meat in the siege. And they would eat their children. I've had, had a lady one time come in here and she said, I've heard of Israel eating their children. Well, they did. And God says, I'll make you so hungry, you will eat your children and you will eat your own dung. You'll be so thirsty, you'll drink your own urine. And you say, well, I can't imagine that. You've never gone without food for eight weeks either, have you? And so that's what would bring the sword and the famine and the pestilence. Something else would bring the famine. We find that in First Kings. First Kings. The 17th chapter, right after, in the 16th chapter, right at the very end of the 16th chapter in 1 Kings, that's where the 16th chapter is where Ahab meets this foxy woman, Jezebel, whose father is Ethbaal, and he is the prince of Tyre. 
Here's Tyre right above Israel and Sidon. When you said Tyre, you said Sidon because they were both basically the seat of fire and tree worship back in that day and time. So, when Ahab married Jezebel, she brought her father's gods into Israel, Baal, and Grove, and Baal was nothing less than Hercules under another name. And this was he was the fire god, and and Grove was the tree goddess. That's the Christmas tree, whether anybody likes it or not, and that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. Now, so God said, when you go after other gods, I'm going to bring these judgments here. I'm going to bring the sword, the famine, the pestilence. Why didn't he say beast? The beast was the fourth judgment, and that came at the very end of Israel's rebellion. They would keep rebelling, so he says, finally I will bring the beast to come in and carry you away. When you see any word in the Bible talking about Israel being removed, it will use the word remove, carry, any word that's synonymous with that, how Israel will be carried away, that's another word for the beast. That's what you've got to be looking for when you read slow. Make sure you look at carry and remove and many other words that shows they're being carried away. Now, so the first thing God does as soon as in that 16th chapter of 1 Kings, as soon as Ahab marries Jezebel, he didn't waste any time. He immediately set up Baal and the grove as the national god and goddess of northern Israel. And when he did that, he built temples for Baal and the grove in northern Israel. And God had already told him, if you do that, I'll bring these four judgments. So God doesn't mince any words. In 1 Kings, the 17th chapter, he calls a man out of nowhere. His name is Elijah. We don't know what nationality he was. We know he was a Tishbite. Some think he was probably an Arab. God's prophets could be from anywhere. The priest and the king had to come out of Israel, particularly. The king had to come out of the tribe of Judah, and the priest had to come out of the tribe of Levi, the third son of Jacob. So, as soon as he... It, I mean, it wasn't a chapter or two later. It was immediate. God says, Elijah, you go tell Ahab, there'll be no rain for three and a half years and then immediately you leave. And they thought he was just a nut when he come before their court. But he went two and a half years. He kept stayed in a cave. And this is kind of a beginning of a picture. No rain. That is famine. Famine can come either by this siege or by no rain or by locusts by locusts or by caterpillars 
caterpillars actually when you look the word up it means a locust that was their larvae form of what they were when they started and that would eat the crops up we're not talking about a cute little caterpillar out on a leaf in your yard we're talking about caterpillar locusts that are covering the fields I have seen that in Texas out on my grandfather's farm uh, back when it would be very dusty and there would be no rain and uh, I used to go fishing down in one of his ponds and I had to walk through a long field and if I was going down there in the early in spring early summer grasshoppers would be all over the fields out there where they were going to cut the grass down there would be millions of them when i was going to go fish i was going to go uh, uh, fishing for perch or brim i could just go out there and sweep your hand across those they were everywhere and you could sweep your hand across and get a handful of them put them on a hook throw them in there and and those uh, brim or those perch would grab them immediately. Anyway, I've seen that in my life. Now, I'm, what I'm going to do, I'm going to try to show you what I'm talking about, what kept repeating itself in my head and in my mind. What I'm going to do is take you to Jeremiah. Jeremiah the man who talks about the sword, the famine, the pestilence more than anybody in the Bible was Jeremiah. And the reason he was talking so much about it, he was the last major prophet in Israel. The last one. Now Jeremiah started preaching to Israel in 626 B.C., and he preached until their demise or their fall in 586 B.C. He preached to Israel for 40 years. And God told him, I want you to go stand in the gates. They had a gate on every side of Jerusalem. They had a... They had a uh, they had a fish gate over here close to the Mediterranean Sea. That makes sense. And they had a dung gate. And they had a sheep gate. And these were gates where you could buy what you wanted. Uh, you could buy sheep or buy dung to put on your crops. And they had all these gates. A gate was a real thick thing. It was the strongest thing in the construction of a city. That's where their courthouses were. That's where they conducted all of their business. They'd have all the Pharisees meet there, buying and selling uh, in uh, for Israel. So that was the gates. And the Lord told Jeremiah, you go to all of the gates of the city, preach to everybody, and because Israel has gone after other gods all the time they were a nation, I'm going to send this sword, this famine, this pestilence, and finally I will send the beast. It's not some 
mystical beast. The Bible tells us what it is in Daniel 7 and in Revelation 13, Hosea 13. It tells you exactly what it is. It is Babylon. The Babylonian lion was the last. It's called a lion because Babylon was the most regal of all the empires as it set upon the Euphrates River and half was on one side of the river, half on the other side. And there was a seven-tier bridge that went across the river. They could communicate back and forth. And the lion, the Babylonian lion, was going to come in and carry Israel away into captivity. Then you had the Persian Empire overthrew Babylon and the Jews were still under their, the Jews were under the rule of Persia. Jews, and Persia was represented as a bear. And you'll see that in Daniel 7 and Revelation 13. Daniel 7 will tell you what it is. And then Persia was overthrown by, by the Grecian Empire, and the head of that was Alexander the Great. Alex the Great. And he was represented as a leopard. I say this over and over. I've studied the leopard. He is a, more or less a killing machine. The leopard is the most dangerous thing you can run across. One of the most dangerous things you can run across in the wild. Because... They hunt for one reason, they hunt to eat. They hunt at night, they hunt alone, and if they come against you, they're going to kill you, grab you in their mouth and climb up to the top of a tall tree and hide your body up there so they can come back and eat you later. Uh, a lion is bigger than a leopard, but a lion may toss you around, throw you on the ground and walk away. A bear may do the same thing. Of course, the largest carnivore in the world was the bear. That's why Persia was equated with the bear. They had the largest armies that ever existed. They'd have two and a half million men in an army while they would attack some peoples. And then the last of the beast was the beast with iron teeth. And that was Rome. Anytime you find iron, the, the image of, of Nebuchadnezzar, that had the legs of iron, that was a picture of the Roman Empire, had the torso of brass, had the, had the chest of silver, and had the head of gold. The head of gold was Babylon. The silver breast was the same as Persia. And as you go down this image, the, the metals become less precious. Gold was the head. You find this in Daniel, the second chapter. Gold was the head. Head. Silver was the breast. And then you had uh, bronze was the mid midriff, the middle part, the the mid mid part of the being and then you had the legs of iron 
iron was always that's the beast with iron teeth over here and this is the bronze is Greece the silver is Persia and the gold is the lion this is the silver this is the same thing as this that was Nebuchadnezzar's vision and anytime you find iron it was like a forbidden metal back that far back and it was supposed to be an evil metal and it was because you've got the beast with iron teeth and you've got the the scorpions and this goes right along with the famine because the scorpions were like locusts and when you find locusts they had to do with famine and how are the locusts like scorpions or scorpions like locusts this is in Revelation the ninth chapter when Peter uh, when John said uh, that when the uh, fifth trumpet was blown they opened the fifth seal that locusts came out of the pit were like scorpions locusts have to do with famine when the locusts came that's another way of famine as well as uh, as well as no rain uh, locusts would eat up the crop they would come in hordes I mean literally more than you could count in the hundreds of billions I've, I've got a picture in one of my books at home I meant to bring it but it shows these locusts alright that's a scorpion there shows these locusts and you can't see this locust means large grasshopper is what it means and this is a locust you can see it it's about it's larger than a regular grasshopper it's huge but those locusts would be up to six seven inches long they would cover an entire field and they would devour it when the locusts were coming the Jews were terrified because it was going to eat up their crops and there's going to have nothing to eat because they didn't have the stores that we've got today in fact this coronavirus is bringing about emptying of the stores it's if you notice the pestilence the coronavirus is emptying our stores so there you've got pestilence and famine connected together in our day and time I believe the coronavirus is the judgment of God upon the earth because men have not told the truth the Baptists are lying the charismatics to say they're lying is putting it very mildly I've I've learned that it took me a long time I've always been real blunt since I was a kid it's bothered people that I'd be so blunt if I see something I'll say that's what it is and most people won't do that they want to be gentle with people don't call a man that lies a liar call him a, a fabricator or, or maybe it's his imagination no 
if he doesn't know what he's talking about and he says something with great confidence, he's lying through his teeth. Like Kenneth Copeland and Fred Price and T.D. Jakes. They're all liars. That You can't, any way you slice it, they lie. And that's why God's bringing this. And the Baptists are lying. They're preaching accept Christ as your personal Savior. That's Roman Catholicism. I've said it before. Walking down the aisle and accepting Christ is walking down the aisle and accepting the Eucharist. That came out of Methodism. The Methodists got it from the Church of England. And the Church of England, when Henry VIII broke off from the Church of England, he said, I'll keep all their rituals. I'll keep their incense. I'll keep their, I'll keep my own form of the... Uh, of the Pope, we'll call him Archbishop of Canterbury, and they kept in the church, walking down the aisle and accepting the Eucharist. When they raise the Eucharist up and say, Hocus corpus fillet, and they say it turns into the literal body and blood of Christ, and then you walk down the aisle and accept the Eucharist or accept Christ. That's where it came from. Accept Christ is not true. There ain't no way to say it but that. If you preach, if you preachers preach, accept Christ, you're preaching in your Baptist church Roman Catholicism. The way of salvation is repentance. It is death to self. It's a daily cross. It's a new birth that only God can do by His will. It's not that Roman Catholic stuff. Why is God bringing this on the world? I don't know what He's going to end it with, but it's definitely the pestilence and the famine. Now, where was I? All right, what I want to do, how are the scorpions like, how do they cause famine? The locusts would bring famine upon the Jews. So do the scorpions bring famine on the spiritual Jew or spiritual Israel or the church. How do they do that? Scorpion is the word in the Greek, Scorpios, S-K-O-R-P-I-O-S. In the Greek, you have a noun. Scorpios is the noun. And you have the verb form of the noun that shows the devastation of what the scorpion does. It's the word scorpizo. Scorpizo means to scatter or devastate, to scatter. Every time you find the word scatter in the Greek, it's the word scorpizo. Scatter is what God said he would do to the Jews for going after these other gods. He says, I'm going to send the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and then I'm going to send the beast when you go after Baal and the grove and Shemash and Molech and all the sun gods they went after and all the, all the tree goddesses they went after. They went after all the gods of Egypt there in Ezra, the ninth chapter, the first few verses. They went after all the gods of the Amites, the Perizzites. Israel did this. And God says, when you do that, I'll scatter you with a form of the scorpion. It's amazing that they said the locusts came in by an east wind. It would have to be a wind that brought them in because when you look at a map 
of that area. When you look at a map, right down here is the anything west of Israel is Jordan or Arabia down here. If you're going to have locusts in Israel, an east wind has to blow them in because all this out here is desert. When you're talking about Arabia and most of Jordan and west of Israel is the Mediterranean Sea. So if you're going to get locusts in there, God has to blow them in by an east wind. And God equates. He says, he brings in Nebuchadnezzar against Israel after the four judgments, brings them in and scatters them into Babylon. And the Bible calls, the Bible calls Nebuchadnezzar an east wind repeatedly. That was Nebuchadnezzar. He was an east wind and he was equated with being a scorpion scattering Israel. And God says repeatedly, I will scatter you. That'd be the same word as remove, like I said a while ago. Remove or carry away. Anytime you see those words or anything like those words in the prophets, that's what it means. Well, scorpizo is the word scatter. It's the common word scatter. And Nebuchadnezzar is equated with as evil spiritual scorpions. And scorpizo, if you read John 10, the Bible says, the hireling, the man who's hired for money over the flock. He cares not for the flock. He allows the wolf to come in. When we see wolf, we know according to Matthew 7, wolves are false teachers. He allows the wolf to come in and scatter the flock. That word scatter is the verb form of scorpion. They scatter the flock. Now, scorpizo, scorpions, what they do is they steal. If they're false teachers, they steal the Word of God. They steal God's law. Law is the word nomos, and it means legal food for animals, in our case, sheep. So the scorpions steal the nomos, the law, and the locusts steal the crop. That's why the scorpions are like locusts. Let me read something to you. I'm going to cover most of the verses about locusts in the Bible. I'm going to cover caterpillars. Most people don't have any idea when they read the book of Joel and you see caterpillars crawling over the land. That's talking about locusts destroying the crops because of Israel's apostasy. Now, let me do this. Scatter. All right. I want us to go over here to... Is there anything I've missed there? Don't think so. So... The scorpions steal the law, they're false teachers. 
they twist the word of God and the locusts they eat up the food crop that's why in Revelation 9 out of the bottomless pit that's very interesting it just occurred to me I've told you what bottomless pit means the locusts come out of the bottomless pit bottomless pit that is one of the worst translations that must have been a Roman Catholic that translated that half the translators of the King James Bible were Roman Catholics and half were Calvinists and they knocked each other's teeth out trying to get that translation by 1611 started about 1605 and they did a lot of compromising this word bottomless pit is a disgusting translation it is the word abusos abusos when you're seeing the scorpions like locusts you have to be talking about famine every time abusos and if the scorpions are going to pervert the word of God they do that in the bottomless pit it's not bottomless pit good grief I can't believe they translated that into that it comes from bathos or bathizo or buthos which means a place of great knowledge of great knowledge the alpha in first front of a word is called the alpha privative the alpha privative negates the word gives an opposite meaning to the word bathos means a place of great knowledge abathos translates abyss it means a place of no knowledge that means you don't know what's there in fact, I think of, I was seeing the TV the other day, and they showed a waterfall down in South America dropping about a thousand feet. And all there was was mist down there where it was dropping. And it looked like an abyss, a place that you didn't know what was there. The place of no knowledge where the scorpions come from is everywhere except Israel. Israel is the only place on the eastern end of the Mediterranean that had the word of God everyone else had no knowledge of God the bottomless pit equates with the boundary of the Mediterranean Sea and that is where the empires were that's where the Babylonian Empire the Persian Empire the Grecian Empire and the Roman Empire were on this great sea that's why the Bible says the beast rose up out of the sea it's very simple now, what I want to do is to get in all these places where the Bible talks about these things. The fact is, the scorpions steal the word of God, scorpizo, and go to no knowledge of God, and that's, where, that's what the bottomless pit means, a place of no knowledge. Now, all right, what I'm going to do is take you through. Gosh, I've got so many places to go on this. Sometimes I don't even know where to start. All right. 
I'm going to talk about pestilence, but before I do, I want to show you what made me do the things I did about seeing something repeated over and over and over. I keep saying to you, the last great prophet that prophesied to Israel was Jeremiah before their demise and you see their destruction at the hand of Nebuchadnezzar in that 25th chapter of 2 Kings and you see it 2 Kings at 25th chapter 25 and you see it in 2 Chronicles the 36th chapter you also see that and who is the preacher preaching right at the end of their time as a nation the man that's preaching is Jeremiah. And you can start reading Jeremiah somewhere in the neighborhood of the 37th chapter through the 41st chapter. 39 and 40 particularly. This is going to tell you about the kingdom and these last chapters. He is the man crying in the streets God tells him in the first chapter of Jeremiah. Go over to the first chapter of Jeremiah. He tells him, I want you to go to all the gates of the city. Let's go over there, Jeremiah, the first chapter. Go to the gates of the temple. Cry against Jerusalem. You want to read a book that just will turn your world upside down. Read Jeremiah. He was preaching against Israel for their Baal and Grove, for their Christmas worship. Good grief, preachers. It's like you're so dumb you don't even know that was going on. Tree worship. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. That's what the Christmas tree is. It was the giver of all divine gifts to men, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The three wishes of the genie. I don't even have time to go into that. Now, look here in verse 4 of chapter 1 of Jeremiah. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, Kadosh, Q-A-D-S-H, I set you apart before you came out of the womb. I set you apart to be my prophet. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak. I am a child. Those are the same words of Solomon in that third chapter of 1 Kings. Solomon said, I'm just a child. I don't know how to rule this thy so great a people. This is what Jeremiah said. I don't know what to say. I'm just a simple man. God's not looking for great, profound men with great vocabularies to preach his truth. He's looking for men that are faithful to say the truth regardless of the cost. That's all. And people may kill you for it, but that's okay. 
Then said I, Our Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, I but a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces. Faces is the word panea. It comes from the word panim. Panim has the same meaning as respect persons. Respect of persons in the New Testament is let me give you the Greek definition when the when in James the second chapter James says, Have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons. If a man comes into your assembly wearing a gold ring and goodly apparel, and you say to him, Sit here in the good seat, sit in the Dickens seat, sit over here on the finance committee, he said, You're favoring that man. And he said, That's respecting persons. You're being partial to him. He said, don't do that. And you say to the poor, sit under my footstool. You can't even have my footstool. You're favoring people, one person over another, because the one's got money and the other doesn't. Respect persons in the Greek is the word pros, apo. This is equivalent to this word name. Pros, apo, l-e-p. That's the word respect persons in the Greek. It's a construction of pros. That is the word for or toward. Don't mistake that prefix with pro. Pro means before. Pros means toward or for something. Pro in on proho that's predestinate means to determine beforehand. Before. This word pros means for or toward ops. Ops, we get our word optical. It means the visage, something you see. The visage. Pros apo. El and Lambano. It doesn't matter whether you think these construct the word respect of persons. It does in the Greek. It means to take hold of, to take hold of, Lambano, to move toward what you see and take hold of that it actually comes from the word prosopon which means surface or face it means to look at someone's face or the surface of their life and she's good looking and he's handsome and he's glib and she's and he's quick and he's funny and I like being around him. But that guy over there, he's got warts and he's ugly and he's and he's overweight and he 
and we don't like him because he just doesn't have a flashy personality the bible says that's one of the uncovered parts of the body of christ and you're supposed to give more honor to them than you are this flashy guy and that's something every one of us need to learn in fact when the bible says darkness was upon the face of the deep in genesis 1 2 face is that word ponim or pana it was upon the surface of the deep and that takes me into another message now he says don't be afraid of their don't let somebody's face I have learned as I grow older as I learn more Bible I'm not afraid of anybody now I used to be this little kid I was very timid very quiet very backward the more Bible I learned the braver and bolder I became because what you have is you've got the truth I want the truth on the tip of my tongue if I've got it in my mind that's where I've got it and whenever I look at politicians doctors lawyers it took me till I was older to find out they're not as smart as they look like they are most of them knows their field if you move out of out of uh, cardiology and you move over into pulmonary problems that cardiologist is not even going to begin to go over here and diagnose some guy that's got respiratory problems they'll even tell you that I've had them say that to me they know their field but they don't know everything a lot of doctors would have you think I'm real smart about everything no they're not and they're not really they don't do a prognosis I keep saying this prognosis prognosis means to know ahead of time there ain't no doctor living that knows what's wrong with you ahead of time what they do they educate themselves in medicine and they go and spend 10 12 years uh, in medical school and they come out and they're very educated mechanics and they learn to prog guesses progresses they are guessing ahead of time because they got a better education than you do and that's the best you can get out of a doctor I trust my doctors as far as I can and then when I can't I ignore them now let's get on here be not afraid of their faces verse 8 for I am with thee to deliver thee saith the Lord and and the Lord will put his put forth his hand and touch my mouth same thing he did to Isaiah when he cleansed his mouth and he put the fire from the altar the coals from the altar on the mouth of Isaiah and Isaiah said now you've cleansed my mouth here am I send me and the Lord said unto me behold I have put my words in thy mouth see I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out pull down and to destroy and to throw down to build and to plant then God tells Isaiah I want you to go to all the gates of the city tell Israel Nebuchadnezzar's on the way 
And he's going to come and destroy Israel and carry them away into captivity. And they are so angry at Jeremiah. They say, we, we don't like this guy. The princes go to King Zedekiah and say, would you mind if we kill him? Now, what I'm going to do, Jeremiah is talking about the sword, the famine, the pestilence more than anybody else in the Bible because he's right there at the end of Israel's history. And I want us to look over here in Jeremiah 14. I'm going to read some of these to you that really shocked me as I was, as I was getting older. And the, this thing that's happening in America with the coronavirus, it's all because... A rebellion against God's truth. The preachers are rebellious. They're preaching, accept Christ, sinner's prayer for salvation is not true. What's true is new birth. God's got to birth you because he picked you before the foundation of the world. I've said this before. There's none righteous. There's none that understandeth. And nobody seeks God. There's none that seeketh after God. If nobody seeks God, then God's going to have to pick himself out of family and then put faith in their hearts and cause them to believe. And that'll be his predestinated elect family. Otherwise, nobody's going to hear and nobody's going to believe. Now, look over here in Jeremiah 14. Verse 12. And I noticed this all through. Uh... Well, let's read verse 10. Thus saith the Lord unto this people, thus have they loved to wander, talking about Israel. He's not talking about pagans. Jeremiah's going to preach their destruction. They have not refrained their feet, therefore the Lord doth not accept them. Talking about Israel. They haven't refrained their feet from going after other gods. He will now remember their iniquity and visit their sins. Then said the Lord unto me, Pray not for this people for their good. Jeremiah was just, I feel like I'm a modern day Jeremiah. I do not believe I'm a preacher of conversion. I believe I'm a preacher of judgment, just like Jeremiah was. I guess that's why I identify with him so much. He said, Don't you pray for Israel. I'm not delivering them Jeremiah how's that but you go preach to them and tell them I'm destroying them and when they fast I will not hear their cry God is not saying maybe I won't he's saying I'm not listening to them what God is saying I'm through with them he's getting to that place with America that's why he's sending these judgments. And when they offer burnt offerings and an oblation, I will not accept them. Ezekiel said the same thing in Ezekiel, the 14th chapter. But I will consume them by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. And I'll consume them all the time in their nation by the sword, the famine, the pestilence. And the last judgment will come. And that'll be the beast when I send Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome in to carry them away, to destroy their city, burn their temple to the ground, burn the city to the ground, plow it up, sow it with salt, so nothing will grow there. 
And that's what Nebuchadnezzar did. And then said I, our Lord God, behold the prophet saying to them, You shall not see the sword. Uh, that's not going to happen. That sounds like a bunch of American preachers. Neither shall you see famine, but I'll give you assured peace in this place. Look at verse 15. Therefore thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets that prophesy in my name, I sent them not. Haven't we prophesied in thy name? Thy name cast out devils. Thy name done him any wonderful works. Sounds like Kenneth Copeland to me. T.D. Jakes to me. Joyce Myers to me. Sounds like Fred Price to me. Sounds like Creflo Dollar. Sounds like all the rest of those clowns. And Billy Graham. Yet they say, sword and famine shall not be in this land. By sword and famine shall those prophets be consumed. Now let's go to another verse. Chapter 21, 6. I kept seeing this sword and famine and pestilence. I've been evaluating that all my life. 21, 6. 21. let's read up here in verse 3 then said Jeremiah unto the people of Israel thus, saith, thus shall you say to Zedekiah the king the last king of Israel thus saith the Lord God of Israel behold I will turn back the weapons of war that are in your hands wherewith you fight against the king of Babylon God says Israel ain't no need to fight. I'm going to turn you on your. I'll turn your hands away from the king of Babylon. When you try to fight him, you won't be able to. And against the Chaldeans which besiege you without walls, and I will assemble them in the midst of the city, and I myself will fight against you, Israel. Y'all realize what this is saying? God is saying. When Nebuchadnezzar comes in, I'm going to be fighting with him against you, Israel, because you, you forgot me and forsook me. I kept seeing this when I was young. I kept thinking, what? And I myself will fight against you with outstretched hand and with a strong arm, even in anger against you, Israel, and in my fury. How can you read that and not know what it's talking about? He's not talking about heathens. He's talking to Israel. And in great wrath, I will smite the inhabitants of the city, both man and beast, and they shall die with great pestilence. And afterwards saith the Lord, I will deliver Zedekiah, king of Judah, and his servants, and the people, and such as are left in the city, from the pestilence, from the sword, and from the famine, and I'll deliver them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. I'm going to do the delivering over. Because they have no pity for my name, I'll have none for them. And into the hand of their enemies, and into the hand of those that seek their life, God says, I'm going to deliver you over. I believe God's going to deliver over America and the world to the hands of sinners so they can scourge us, so we can be partaker of his holiness. And the edge of the sword, and he shall not spare them, neither have pity nor have mercy on Israel. Boy, when he comes in, it's going to be 
I feel saying hell to pay. Keep reading. And unto the people thou shalt say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. He says, Select life there in Deuteronomy 30, 32. He that abideth in this city shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. He doesn't mention the beast because that comes after they have been a nation for 500 years. He says, now it's time for the beast. That, and falleth to the Chaldeans that besiege you. Surround your cities, cut off all food, all water, and you're going to be starving. And you'll start eating your families. He shall live and his praise shall be unto you for a prey. For I have set my face against this city, Jerusalem, for evil. You know why I believe that people don't read these verses? They don't like what they say. They're like, well, that was some uh, uh, evil nation that come in and took us. That was, that was the, the Christians in Israel had turned against God. I use that term loosely. Look at 2410. It says it's all through the book of Jeremiah. 24 and 10. Look at 9 and 10. I will deliver them, speaking of Israel, to be removed unto all the kingdoms of the earth. And it will be for their hurt. It will be to hurt them. Wow. Remove is a picture of the beast coming and That's how God moves them to all the kingdoms of the earth. When Babylon comes in, when Babylon is overthrown by Persia, Persia is overthrown by Greece, and Israel is still under the rule of all this beast world system. It will be for their hurt to be a reproach and a proverb and taunt and a curse in all the places whither I will drive them. And I will send the sword, the famine, and the pestilence. He says that over. When I was a kid reading this, I kept noticing that over and over and over and over and over again. Kept noticing that. But I needed to zero in. Who is he talking to? To Israel. He said, you go after these other gods. Jeremiah was God's final straw to those people. They were going to bear up under Jer Jeremiah's preaching. Now, look here in Jeremiah 27. Jeremiah 27. And verse 8. And it shall come to pass that the nation. Let me see 27, 8. That the nation of the kingdom which will not serve the same Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, that I will not put their neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon, that nation will I punish, saith the Lord, with the sword, with the famine, with the pestilence, until I have consumed them by his hand. God says, sword, famine, pestilence. 
Is there any wonder that I keep mentioning that over and over and over again? And look in, look in, read the next verse. Therefore hearken not to your prophets, nor your diviners, nor your dreamers in Israel, nor to your enchanters, nor to the sorcerers, which speak unto you, saying, Ye shall not serve the king of Babylon. That's not true. There were some false teachers going out there in that 29th chapter. There's a man named Hanani. He run around telling everybody, said, You're not going to be over there 70 years. You'll only be over there a couple of years. And God told Jeremiah, Jeremiah, you tell Hanani, I'm going to kill him for the years up. He's lying to the people. And God killed him in that 29th chapter. Look at 29.17. This is where Hanani is lying through his teeth. 29. And God kept telling Israel, don't run off to Egypt. Go over to Babylon. I'm going to set you down for 70 years. And then I'll call you back and restore your temple and everything will be okay. But they didn't come back. 29. 17. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will send upon Israel the sword, the famine, and the pestilence, will make them like vile figs that cannot be eaten. Israel is so evil. Most people don't think of Israel in the Old Testament as being evil, but that was the testimony of God. I'm against you, Israel. You haven't worshipped me. You've worshipped stuff, self, your cars, your houses, everything but me. If you worship God, you tell the truth and you live by it. I'll send the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and will deliver them to be removed. There's a removed means by Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. Instead of saying beast, he just puts removed, and later on he puts the beast in there. To be a curse and an astonishment and a hissing and a reproach among all the nations whither I have driven them. To the nations where I drive them, and they're going to look at Israel and say, what a pitiful bunch of people you Christians are. You don't even serve your God. Look over here in the 32nd Psalm, 32nd Jeremiah. Thirty-two. How much time do I have, Mike? Thirty. Thirty. All right. Thirty-two, verse twenty-four. Let's read 23. And they came in and possessed the land, but they obeyed not thy voice, neither walked in thy law. It's talking about Israel came in under Joshua, and they didn't. And Joshua told them to put away all their wives and not intermarry with those pagans, and they did. They have done nothing of all that thou commandest them to do. Israel has not followed the commandments of God. He said, if you follow my commandments, there in that Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, you'll have all the food you want, you'll have the storage, the houses, 
everything will be full. You'll have everything you want or need. And they ignored him. If you keep my sabbatical years, every seven years, let the land lie fallow. Don't plant anything or harvest anything. That was God's method of crop rotation. Therefore, thou hast caused all this evil to come upon them. Who caused the evil? God. Who is them? Israel. I don't even think people know these verses are in the Old Testament. They said, them, what is that evil people? Uh, God has caused evil to come upon. I wonder who them is. It's Israel. In verse, that's 24, and then 36. That was 23. Well, 23. Let's read 24. Behold the mounts. They are coming to the city to take it. The city is given unto the hand of the Babylonians. Jeremiah is talking. He can hear the rumble of chariots in the distance. They're coming in to lay siege upon Israel. Nebuchadnezzar is. Because God says, I'll bring this judgment on you. And I'll have you removed. I'll have you carried away. Because you paid no attention to my laws. So is America doing the same thing. So are these preachers. That's why this virus is up on America. All the rebellion in the pulpits in America. I, I don't know of anybody else that has got the guts to stand up and say this loud and clear. You Baptist preachers, you Pentecostal preachers, you, you Catholics, you Baptists, you Church of Christ, you Pentecostals, you're not saying the truth. There has to be obedience to God's Word. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus in the good works. God's ordained that we walk in them. Now, let's keep going. Go to verse... Let me finish that. Verse 24. Behold the mounts, they are come to the city to take the city. A mount was the capital city of another nation. That would be Babylon. Given into the hand of the Chaldeans that fight against it because of the sword, the famine... And the pestilence, what thou hast spoken, is come to pass. And behold, you see it going on. And thou hast said unto me, O Lord God, buy thee the field for money, and take witnesses, for the city is given unto the hand of Babylon. He's talking about Jerusalem. He's walking around Jerusalem. He's walking to the gate of the temple, preaching to the priests, preaching to the any prophets that will hear. Say, judgment's on the way. All right, let me see here what I need. Verse, verse 26. Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah, saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? I'm going to do this, and I'm going to get Israel's attention. I can get their attention. Nobody else can. Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the Chaldeans, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he's going to take Jerusalem and destroy it. 
and the Chaldeans that fight against this city shall come and set fire on this city and burn it with the houses upon whose roofs they have offered incense unto Baal. He said, I'm going to burn the city down. And God says, Jeremiah, you tell them that. And it's going to be by the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. And pour our drink offerings unto other gods to provoke me to anger. Then he says down here in verse, I can't read all of it. 35 and 36. And they, Israel, built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom. I could go into that. The valley of Hinnom is Gehenna, south of Jerusalem, where they burnt trash in the southeast and the southwest end of the valley and they offered the children of Moloch in the northwest end of the valley northeast end of the valley and caused their sons this is talking about Israel Israel caused their sons and daughters to pass through the fire into Moloch the sun god of the Ammonites they were affected by the people around them. That's why you have to pull away from people that don't believe God. Which I commanded them not. I didn't tell them to go to Moloch and get that God and offer their children. Neither came it into my mind. When I said I want your firstborn, I didn't mean I wanted you to kill them on an altar of a pagan God that they should do this abomination to Judah to sin. Now therefore thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning this city, Jerusalem. Wherever you say it shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon by sword and by famine and by pestilence. Is that registered on any of you now? Sword, famine, pestilence? It's all over the book of Jeremiah. I just mention it in passing every time I preach on prophecy. And then he goes on. Behold, I will gather them out of all countries where I have driven them in mine anger and my fury and a great wrath, and I will bring them again to this place. He's talking after, after they've been over there 70 years. And I will cause them to dwell safely. I love verse 39. And I will give them one heart and one way for they may fear me forever. He's talking about the end of time there. He's jumping all the way to the end of time. Let's go over here to the 34th chapter, verse 17. 34th chapter, verse 17. Therefore thus saith the Lord, you have hearkened, you have not hearkened unto me in proclaiming liberty every one to his brother and every man to his neighbor. Behold, I proclaim liberty to those that are in prison, to the Gentiles. For you saith the Lord to the sword, to the fat pat, to the pestilence, and to the famine, I will make you to be removed. Notice what it says in there the pestilence, the sword, and the famine, and removed. Removed is a reference to the beast coming and carry them away. But that's the last thing that happens. And I will give the men that have transgressed against my covenant, which have not performed the words of the covenant which they had made before me, 
when they cut the calf in twain that was cutting a covenant they would cut a calf in half pass between the covenant he was called a go-between and pass between the parts look over here in the 38th chapter why do you think Jeremiah's telling them all this? He's the guy at the very end of their history that's telling them all these things. 38, 2. Thus saith the Lord, he that remaineth in the city shall die by the sword, by the famine, by the pestilence. But he that goeth forth to the Chaldeans shall live. For he shall have his life for a prey and shall live. He's saying, my plan is to take you over to Babylon. Take you to Babylon. Have you sat down for 70 years until the land has enjoyed her Sabbaths. 70 years in Babylon because they had 70 sets of sabbatical years. 70 times 7. And he says, I want the land to enjoy our Sabbaths. They had to every seven years leave the land life out on. They said, we don't like that. We'll find us other gods that let us have our way. So he says, I've got to put you in Babylon to 70 years. So the land can, re it can restore its nutrients. And then I'll set up decrees for you to go back there to your land. Rebuild the temple and rebuild the city. And he did that. But in order to keep his covenant, he had to get him out of the land. Now, I read verse 2. Look at 42.17. Jeremiah is talking about the sword, the famine, the pestilence through his whole book. Because he's the last great prophet to preach to him while it's falling. When Nebuchadnezzar comes in, he sends in Nebuchadnezzar. His commanding general says, take care of this Jeremiah. He was honest to the people. Tell him he can stay there and live and we'll give him land or he can come to Babylon and we'll give him land. He can live an easy life because they were persecuting him, trying to kill him, hanging him in the mire. Now, look here in 42.17 I thought maybe everybody thought I was just saying sword, famine, pestilence, and beast. I'm reading these to you so you know that's one of the things that really changed my mind about what God was doing to Israel. When I was reading and I was young, I kept running into these judgments of God. The coronavirus is judgment. I don't know if God's going to let up on it or what he's going to do. He's going to do what he wants to do. I know that. 42.17 I'd like to read all this. I've got this chapter marked up. 42.17 So it will be with all the men that set their faces to go into Egypt. To sojourn there, they shall die by the sword. He said, if you run off and you go anywhere besides Babylon, Babylon is in my program. I want you over there for 70 years so I can call you back. Anybody that gets together and runs to Egypt, the, the opposite direction, to try to get protection from Pharaoh Necho, the 
Pharaoh of Egypt, I'll send a soldier after you, and he may not even know what he's doing, but he'll kill you with a sword. You don't go to Egypt. That's not a part of my program. It's to go to Babylon. And then he says, 42, 17. If you try to go to Egypt, you'll die by the sword, by the famine, and the pestilence. None of them shall remain or escape from the evil that I will bring upon them. You try to run away from my judgments, forget it. Bow your head, drop your head, and submit to the king of Babylon carrying you away. You're going to be there a long time, 70 years. And then he says here in verse 22. Now therefore know certainly that you shall die by the sword, by the famine, by the pestilence, and the place whither you desire to go and to sojourn. I got one more in Jeremiah. Chapter 44, verse 13. 44. It's the last time Jeremiah mentions these three in this succession. 44, 13. I'm going to read 11 through 13. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will set my face against you, Israel, for evil. Because all of this sun and tree worship, which was the same thing that was brought into the church and later on named Christ's Mass. If God will bring this much judgment on Israel for going after Christmas, what's he going to do going after Christmas under another name in the ancient world? What do you think he's going to do to America? Well, the coronavirus is a small part of it. I will take the remnant of Judah. Behold, I will set my face against you for evil and to cut off all Judah. Why did he say Judah? Because northern Israel has been carried away 136 years before this. And Judah is the only one that's left. Benjamin and Judah. I will take the remnant of Judah that have set their faces to go into the land of Egypt to sojourn there and they shall be consumed and fall in the land of Egypt and they shall even be consumed by the sword and by the famine. They shall die from the least even to the greatest by the sword, by the famine and they shall be execration cut off and an astonishment and a curse and a reproach. If you try to flee outside God's program for Nebuchadnezzar to come over and carry you away. Nebuchadnezzar had every right to carry him away. They were rebelling against him as the leader of the world. And they weren't paying their tribute to him. And they were going to run off to Egypt. Israel was not only unfaithful to God, they were unfaithful to their leaders in this world. Now... I'm going to show you something. Leviticus. Did I not read that? No, you didn't read 13. Okay, let me read it. I've just got so many things on my mind. 44, 13. For I will punish them that dwell in the land of Egypt 
as I have punished Jerusalem by the sword, by the famine, by the pestilence. Is any wonder why I mention that so many times? Jeremiah is one of my favorite prophets of the Old Testament. He's a man after my own heart. I feel like Jeremiah. I feel like I'm a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. I'm grief-stricken at the world that hates the Word of God. What do you mean hate? Well, these Baptist churches, they hate the Word of God. They're preaching accept Christ when that's not true. They're preaching sinner's prayer for salvation. That's not true. They're preaching let Jesus come into your heart. That's not true. When you're dead in sin, you can't let God do anything. What is it for salvation? Paul told the Philippian jailer, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. If you believe, you believe this book and all the things that he said he was going to do and that he was doing, which he said is everything. And that's what resting in the Lord is about, resting in all of this. Now, I want us to go over here to Leviticus, the 26th chapter. This is going to show you the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and the beast. This is before they ever even get to the promised land. They're in the middle of the wilderness. Moses, it's the beginning. It's the beginning of their 40-year trek in the wilderness. They're not even a nation yet. And God is telling them what he's going to do to them in the 26th chapter. And he says basically the same things in this 26th chapter that he says in the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy. If you're obedient to my laws and my commandments, all these good things will come upon you. But if you're disobedient, well, how much time, Mike? Huh? I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through this because I got so much more on this. I'm kind of skip through it and give you an overall picture. You can compare this chapter. This is a sister chapter to Deuteronomy 28. Verse 2 says, You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. And he said the same things here as he said in Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then will I give you rain in due season. You'll have it on time in April, May. And the land shall yield her increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. And your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time, and ye shall eat your bread to the full, and dwell in your land safely. That's when you'll go against your enemy one way, and they'll flee seven ways. I'll give peace in the land, and make you to lie down, and none will make you afraid, and I will rid evil beasts out of the land. He's not talking about evil tigers and evil lions and evil bears. He's talking about beasts being men that will come to conquer you. Neither shall the sword go through your land. You shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. That's the same thing he said in Deuteronomy. 
Five of you shall chase an hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. And your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. For I will have respect unto you, and make you fruitful, and multiply you, and establish my covenant with you. And you shall eat old store, and bring forth the old because of the new. I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you, and will be your God, and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God, which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, that you should not be their bondmen. And I have broken the bands of your yoke and made you go upright. But if you will not hearken unto me and will not do these commandments, here's what I'm going to do to you. And you want any names? If you're not obedient, he names sword, famine, pestilence and beast he names that in the last half of this chapter you have to pay real close attention to it if you despise my statutes or if your soul abhorred my judgments and you go after Bell in the grove and all these gods so that you will not do all my commandments but you break my covenant I also will do this unto you. I will appoint over you terror, consumption, the burning og. He says the same words. That word og, kara, koth, means fever, inflammation, disease, that shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart and you shall sow your seed in vain I'll not give you any rain and you won't have crops and that was their big worry for your enemies shall eat it they'll come in carry you away and eat what you have planted and I will set my face against you you shall be slain by your enemies by the sword and they that hate you shall reign over you. The Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks. And you shall flee when nobody's pursuing you. You're running and hiding. And if you will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times for your sin. He says seven times. He says seven times. He says that four times. And at the very least, he mentions sword, famine, pestilence, and the beast. Seven is the Old Testament. Sheba is the word seven. And a form of that is Shabua. And Shabua means to take an oath to God or to seven ones self. And when you become sevened, then you add to your faith, add to faith, seven things. Add to faith, seven things. In Second Peter 1, starting in verse 5. Seven things. 
then you become seventh, or you become perfect, not without sin, you become mature. Mature, teleos. That's the word perfect. So you become mature. So Israel has to be matured. He's not saying, I'm going to cut off from you. He says, I'll punish you seven times. He says that four times. Then he says, I'll break the pot of your power. I will make your heaven iron, no rain. Your earth brass, no crops growing in a hard ground. And then he says in verse 21, If you walk contrary to me, I will not hearken to you. I will bring seven times more plagues, pestilence. Starts off with the sword, the pestilence. And then he says down here in 23, If you will not be reformed by me by these things, but I will walk contrary to me, then will I also walk contrary to you, and will punish you yet seven times more for your sin. And I will bring a sword upon you. Oh, there's famine, pestilence, sword. Sword in verse 25. Unto you and you shall avenge the quarrel of my covenant. And when you are gathered together within your cities, I will send the pestilence among you and you will deliver unto the hand of your enemy. And then he says in verse 28. So we got... Famine, pestilence, the sword, there in verse 19, 21, and 25. And he'll say pestilence several, several times. It says in verse 28, Then I will walk, if you will not hearken unto me, then I will walk contrary unto you in fury, and I even I will chastise you seven times for your sins. And he mentions the beast in verse 23. So you've got sword, famine, pestilence in the previous part. And then he says, I will scatter you among the heathen. That's the beast. That word scatter is talking about Babylon coming in and carrying them away. So you got the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and the beast in Leviticus 26. Can you see that? Nod your head yes if you can. I will scatter you among the heathen and will draw out a sword after you and your land shall be desolate and your city shall be waste then shall the land enjoy your Sabbaths because you wouldn't keep the sabbatical years that's the main reason they went after these other gods in verse 35 as long as it lieth desolate it shall rest because it did not rest in your Sabbaths when you dwelt in it. You never kept your sabbatical years. Am I out of time? One minute. Two minutes. One minute. Two minutes. <laughs> I'm going to come back next week. I'm going to go into the word pestilence and show you that pestilence, that's the coronavirus. It's not just the coronavirus. It's AIDS. It's Ebola and any other diseases. Go to the Center of Disease Control, CDC, on your on Google, and ask for all the diseases in the world that are incurable. They're going to give you a list as long as you are. I I wanted you to see, and I didn't even get to the sword, the famine, and the pestilence of Ezekiel, and he's been carried away into captivity right before the end of the nation.
I'm going to stop here. And I'm teaching to this room. Sounds like I'm teaching to a group of people. I get real wound up when I'm telling the truth. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Pray for me. God will give me strength to continue and stay away from the coronavirus. I don't need that. Father, thank you for truth. Thank you for your word. God, I pray you'll guide us in everything we do. Keep us safe and in your care. Fight our battles for us, whether it's against the virus or whether it's against people that want to destroy this nation, this ministry. Lead us to elect. We'll give you praise for all things in Christ's name. Amen.